And I want to go on now, um, but I'll just mention um, two things. Calvin, when Calvin, a great man of God, totally maligned by his followers who misquote him, but um, a man who actually had a lot of understanding. He, Calvin was not a Calvinist. You do understand that. Um, he believed in the sovereignty of God. He understood. And in the Reformation, he was used of God, as was Luther. His emphasis was the emphasis that Whitfield, who was a great revival preacher, um, bored about the sovereignty of God. He had nothing to do with the organizer Wesley, John Wesley. And Calvin said this, the sophists are guilty of the merest trifling when they allege that Christ is the mediator of redemption, but the believers are the mediators of intercession. As if Christ had only performed a temporary mediation and left an eternal and imperishable mediation to his servants. In other words, they, they were suggesting, hey, if it's true what these people say all around the place, that we are the mediators, we've got to pray and fast and seek God in order to bring salvation to people, then we're adding to what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross, and we're denying the gospel. It's another gospel another truth, and it's wrong. The gospel of Jesus Christ is clear. And I want today just to talk about the gospel. Um, the good news. What is it? What good news is it? Well, the gospel was preached, as you remember, in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the gospel first came, uh, the seed of woman shall bruise the serpent's head. All right? You all remember that. Okay. If you don't know that, you don't know anything. Then the next thing was the gospel was preached, it says in Acts, to Abraham. And the good news was, in thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed and all families of the earth be blessed. And that was in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 15. God promised blessing. The seed was going to come that was going to bless all, na all nations, all families. And hey, we live in that. We're children of Abraham. Thank God for that. And that was the promise. And then there came the time when Jesus came the Messiah, the promised Messiah, and he came with good news of the kingdom to the Jewish nation. And he promised the Jewish nation the kingdom of God. And he said to the disciples, wherever you go, and they only went to the Jewish nation, he said, you tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, deliver the captive." And it was good news spread. But they rejected the Messiah. They wouldn't accept him. They rejected him. There were those who believed. But most rejected him. They would not accept that he was both God and man. They would not accept his divinity. They would not accept his birth. They would not accept his authority. And they rejected the one who came to redeem them. 
Though they heard the gospel, they rejected him. And he was crucified, dead and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He took in his body when he died your sin and my sin, your diseases and my diseases into his own body on the tree. And the third day he rose again from the dead in physical form. He did not rise as a spirit, he rose physically. And he's alive. He ascended into heaven and he sitteth on the right hand of God. And he sent forth the Holy Ghost to fill the believers, those who would trust in him and believe in him for salvation. He sent the Holy Ghost to fill them, to flood them, to heal them, to deliver them. And he came to live within. And he said, I am my Father. If you'll obey me, I and my Father will come to you. We'll make our abode with you. And I believe we have Christ in you, the hope of glory. I believe we have God the Father. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. He was an expression of the Father. He was an express image of the Godhead when he came. Wonderful. And the truth is so clear. And it's this truth that we preach. And you cannot add to it. You cannot add one thing to what Jesus has done. He's done it all. And that's what's so wonderful. I find up and down the land, people want to add to it. It's crazy. How can you add to a perfect redemption? How can you add to a perfect salvation? How can you add to one who's done it all? And so you'll find Paul comes to preach this gospel and Amazingly, you'll find it in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go there. One Corinthians fifteen verse one says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas then of the twelve after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some have fallen asleep. After that, 
he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now Christ is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And so on. I, I just want to stop there because there's so much. But do you notice what the gospel is about? Christ is risen. Do you know, because Christ is risen, the sin question is dealt with once and for all. Hebrews makes it plain. It's a once for all thing. Christ came. Christ lived. Christ died. He's risen, he's ascended on high. And he is a sin bearer. He took your sin and my sin into his own body. And Paul said, this is the gospel. And when you believe this gospel, it brings total liberty. Look, liberty is not bought by anything else than faith. It's not bought by prayer. It's not bought by what you do. 
It's bought by what he did for you. The whole essence of the gospel is putting your trust firmly in what he says and believing what he did for you. If you go and you talk to people and you share with them your testimony, you're not helping them one iota. All you're doing is talking about yourself. And that won't help anyone. You see, the gospel is not your experience. The gospel is what Jesus has done for everyone. He's lived, he died, he rose again. He dealt with sin. And the good news is what he's done for you and for me. And that is the power that delivers people. It's not some prayer. It's not some emotional freak out. It's not some experience. It's truth. It cannot be changed. Jesus has done it. He is risen. Hey, all authority and all power is put under him. And when it says there's one who's not put under him, that's Father. Father gave him all authority and all power, and that's it. There is no authority, no power, no devil, no demon, no principality, no rulers that are not under his feet. He totally conquered them on Calvary's tree. When he rose from the dead, he rose victorious. To start thinking that some Christian, by praying or, or posturing or shouting, is going to do anything with the devil, is total rubbish. It's already been done. Jesus did it all. And the only reason man lives in sin, and the only reason that you can live in bondage or in disease or in sickness is you reject and refuse to obey the gospel. You are responsible for your life. And any shortfall in your life is because you will not accept the responsibility of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you will not obey. That's the only reason. The gospel contains within it the power for total deliverance. For total healing. Body, soul and spirit. That's the wonder of it all. The good news is that death could not hold Jesus. The good news is that disease could not hold Jesus. The good news is sin could not hold Jesus. He rose victorious, totally conquering everything. There is no bondage that ever could hold you bound. Now, if you think about it, there's a lot of talk by people who know little about the gospel, about, you know, well, if you had a bad upbringing, you know, if you were abused as a baby, well, everyone's, life's abusive. And people make excuses for sin. They make excuses for people's bad attitudes. They make excuses for the way they live. But you are without excuse. Whoever you are. 
The only reason you live wrong is because that is the way you want to be. Because God has made a way to freedom for you. And it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, it is the power of God unto health, unto healing, unto salvation. Total, complete. And the only reason you're sick is because you have not accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only reason you live in sin is because you will not accept that gospel. It is one of obedience. You say, well, but it's God's responsibility. Yes, he took it. On Calvary's tree, he took it all. I happen to believe it. And Paul wrote to them. And look at it. If you look in the beginning of this chapter... I love it. I didn't write it. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. You know, there's something about it. You've got to keep in memory what God says. You've got to set your heart on that which is pure, peaceable. You've got to set your heart on that which is true. There's a lot of people, they start off believing the gospel and they stop believing it the moment something comes into their life. Let me give you an example. One of the things, love of money is what? Love of money is? Now you know where your evil comes from in your life. If you won't put to death that love of money, and that's what you go after, and that is your value, and that is how you evaluate things, you're basically rooted in evil. And you've got the root of all evil in you. And that is why... A society like ours has so much division, so much destruction, because people are driven by lust for things. Things aren't wrong. Money isn't evil, but the love of it is. You can't serve God and mammon. You'll either love one and hate the other, despise the other, it says, Jesus said. No man can serve two masters. And you soon find out who's master. And when you serve the wrong master, you'll despise God. You'll despise the gospel. You'll despise the truth. Love of money. It's amazing how... Cheaply, people sell their souls. It's amazing how deception comes in because that evil root of love of money comes into their hearts. And then their life is governed by greed. Oh, they put over a veil upon it. They cover it up with all sorts of excuses but the real thing that's really leading and causing them to go is love of money. And it's the root of all evil. 
And it always ends in destruction. <laughs> and if you obey the gospel, the first thing you realize is that that's something that has to go. The second root is the root of bitterness. Two roots in the Bible. Root of bitterness springing up defiles many. And you'll always find love of money and root of bitterness. Oh, boy, they don't half get in the heart. Together. And they spring up. You can always justify with a root of bitterness your stand because of someone else's action. You can blame someone else. You always will. That is the way people are. They want to blame someone else. They want to blame society. They want to blame their mother. They want to blame their father. They want to blame their education. They want to blame their school. They want to blame their business. They want to blame the university. They want to blame, 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 blame. But the responsibility for you is you. The good news is there's a way into total freedom and fulfilling the will of God on the earth and being totally delivered from the wrong seed. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, hey, it's freedom. If you'll keep it in memory, if you'll stand by it and walk in it, you can live in total freedom. You can have health, you can have life, you can have liberty. You can govern your life by letting Jesus Christ be Lord. You can evaluate everything according to his will, not yours. You can live a full life. Remember one of the temptations Christ brought to was a devil said to him, all right, I'll give you all these things, all you've got to do, fall down, worship me, love of money. Root of all evil. Huh, I'll give it to you. Strange thing is, you can get what you want and destroy your soul. Huh. So you got your heart's desire. And God says, I'll send leanness in your soul. Love of money. Root of all evil. People don't like that. But that's the enemy of God. Two little enemies. The good news is Jesus came to deliver us. Doesn't say be poor. Hey, he came to make many rich. That's why he was in poverty. He came to make us rich. But you have to face the fact that if you live your life and govern your life by money and the love of it, you make yourself the enemy of God. You can't serve two masters. You'll love one and despise the other. And as soon as you start serving money, you despise God. No way around it. That's what you'll do. Say, well... And I have what I want. No. You need what God wants. That's the way it is. 
The strange thing is, God says, if you, if you give up everything for my sake, you won't be deprived at all. But man has to go the devil's way. You see, if you get what the devil gives you, you lose the gifts of God. If you surrender to Christ, he gives you everything. Far more than you could ever get the wrong way. But because you're so selfish and self-centered, you don't believe that. You'll go your own way to grab what you want and destroy your soul. If you think about it, that was the temptation in the garden at the first. He said to the woman, hey, you know, if you'll only eat of the fruit of the tree, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. The stupidity of it was they were created in the image of God. They didn't need to succumb to a lie. God had given them everything. He'd made them good. He'd made it perfect. But they couldn't bear to have it God's way. They had to exert their wills. And when you exert your will, you exert your will to your destruction. That's what they did. They rebelled against God. They took, they ate. And the fall of man came. And in the church, the gospel's the same. It's wonderful. But oh, you know, the life isn't the, uh, in the abundance of the things that a man hath. That's not life. That's deception. Life is in Christ. But you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Is that plain? Hello? Is that plain? And you're a fool if you think you can. I often listen to people, they come to me for advice. And it always comes down to money. <laughs> Folly. Bigger house, bigger car. Ego, ego, ego wealth, money. If that's what's driving you, don't ever think you're going to be born again. You're not. Don't think you're ever going to come God's way. You're not. You're just selfish and self-centered and you're on your way to destruction and you'll always go that way. And that's stupid. What can a man, if he gains the whole world for his soul, said Jesus? And yet Jesus said, I'll give you everything. Follow me. Got to obey the gospel. 
Kittle put it in his talking of the gospel. He says this, The preaching of the gospel is the continuation of the saving activity of Jesus Christ. Therefore, proclaimers of the gospel are the continuators of Christ's ministry. Those who preach the gospel stand in the place of Jesus, and they are as he is. The risen Lord associates himself with them and conveys to them his power. In this power of Jesus Christ, they stand in his place, his own powerful presence in the Holy Spirit. He endows his followers with the same power and they continue his activities in his place, proclaiming his message and working his miracles. That's what the gospel is all about. I like it. That's a good definition, isn't it? And that was written by a conglomeration of Jewish people, Roman Catholics, um, Anglicans, Methodists, and Baptists, and they came up with that definition of the gospel. I like it. I'll read it again. The preaching of the gospel is the continuation of the saving activity of Jesus Christ. Therefore, proclaimers of the gospel are the continuators of Christ's ministry. Those who preach the gospel stand in the place of Jesus, and they are as he is. The risen Lord associates himself with them and conveys to them his power. In this power of Jesus Christ, they stand in his place, his own powerful presence in the Holy Spirit. He endows his followers with the same power, and they continue his activities in his place, proclaiming his message and working his miracles. That's what a gospel preacher is. Someone who comes and just tells people, Hey! I've got good news. Jesus Christ took your sins and my sins into his own body. He was crucified, dead and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He appeared unto his disciples. He appeared unto up to 500 people after he rose from the dead. And then he ascended up on high and he gave gifts unto men. He's alive comes to heal the sick, deliver the captive. And it is that that is the power of God unto salvation. If you believe it, and you keep it in your memory, and you live it, that's all you need to live in total freedom and total liberty. To be healed, it's this gospel. To be delivered is this gospel. To live in fullness of life is this gospel. That's all. It's that simple. The only reason you're bound today, the only reason you're trapped today is because you reject this gospel. That's all. This gospel has within it the power to do everything. It's wonderful. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. That's what we were singing. He's my advocate. 
He's everything, Jesus. He's everything to me. He did it all. What a wonderful truth. How easy it is. And that's what people don't want. They want to be able to do something. They want to have an all-night prayer meeting. Don't stay up all night. Go to bed. Sleep. Use your brain. They want to fast as though they can add something to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to do silly things. You'll find how Paul defined it. Let's have a look in, in Scripture. I just want to spend a minute or two, or three or four, or five or six. Um, I want you to turn the pages of the book. Do you good. Turn the pages of the book. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. I want you to know it's in the Bible. I'm a Bible believer. I'm a fundamentalist. I believe fundamentally that what Jesus said is true. That makes me a fundamentalist. It's not a dirty word. It's a true word. Amen? I have a good authorized version. Not that I don't look at other versions, I do. Or perversions, or whatever you want to call them. I look at them. But I love the language of the authorized version, and it's purely because I like the language and the poetry of it, and the beauty of it, and I've never found any other version has the beauty and language of it, so I stick with what I like. It's memorable. No other version is memorable. It's easy to forget. But the authorized version is, through our literature, wonderful. All right? You say, well, it might not be the most accurate. Well, in some places it isn't. But the beauty of it is much more accurate. And then you look at the other versions to understand where it's going to arrive. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. How about that? You can see a voice. Did you know that? And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were as flames of fire let me tell you something about this Jesus his hair was as black as a raven's says so in the song of Solomon now it's as white as snow I'll tell you why he passed through something to redeem you to redeem me he became sin who knew no sin he took every agony every pain everything and I want to tell you his humanity and his divinity are both well and alive don't ever think that Jesus has lost 
his humanity. That's why he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities, the feelings of our weaknesses. Why? Because he passed through it. And his hair turned from black to white. And I want to tell you, that was when he was 33 years old. His hair changed color. When John saw him, I want to tell you, when you see him out of time, and when you gaze into that wonderful face and you see those eyes that are flames of fire, and you take into your life and your heart and you embrace him, you will see that truly his hair is white. You'll see those flames of fire that burn. And John saw it. And everyone that comes to him and truly embraces him sees him as one born out of time. God alone can open your eyes to that. Not something you can do, it's something God does. And his feet, like under brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. In Revelation 19, verse 15, you'll read this, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who he is, Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords. Out of his mouth goes a two-edged sword. Goes out of the mouth. Twice when John, three times actually in Revelation, he speaks of the sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Let me say this. And understand this, if you don't preach the gospel, and you don't speak the gospel, and you don't confess the gospel, your faith is dead. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. It's very important. Paul said, the word is nigh you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart. But you've got to use your mouth and speak it. You've got to use the sword of the Spirit. In the weapons that are given you, the only one, when you put on the whole armor of God to fight a spiritual warfare, the only weapon you have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You use that sword when you speak the Word. You don't use the sword when you keep silent. There's no such thing as a silent witness. Not in God's kingdom. You've got to speak and stand for truth. 
Stand for morality. Stand for decency. Stand for the principles of God. Not against them. Stand for them. You've got to stand against the world's values. The world's values where they say tolerate sin, tolerate anything. Doesn't matter how people live. It does matter. Doesn't matter what you do. It does matter. Doesn't matter how you bring up your kids. It does matter. Everything matters. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility in society to stand up. One of the things they don't like, oh, someone said to me, Christians shouldn't have political views. Don't be a fool. Of course I've got views. I'm not ashamed of the views. I'm a Christian. If they want to bring perversion into our nation and fill our nation with filth, and decry the truths of God, we're to stand and declare the word of God. We're to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's not that we're political, we're Christians. And as Christians, we're part of the community, and we should stand up for what's true and right. And we're not ashamed of the gospel. Amen? I'm not interested in government. I'm interested in God's principles. That's all I'm interested in. What I am interested in, though, is being free to preach the Word of God and being free to hold the values that Jesus Christ has set in the earth. That I'm interested in. I'm interested in families. Great to be able to have families dedicate children. Great to be able to be part of the family of God, isn't it? Great to have the freedom to bring your children up a decent way, not this filthy way that says any family is a family. I'll tell you, there's only one type of family God instituted, husband, wife, and children. That is the only family that exists. Don't ever think there's another family or an alternative lifestyle. There is not. And we're not ashamed to say it. Well, we're not ashamed of the values of Jesus Christ. We preach the gospel, the good news. You don't have to live in filth and degradation. You can repent and come out of it and be normal. Jesus has made the way. Amen? I want to tell you the most prejudiced people today are the so-called tolerant people. They're prejudiced against anyone who wants God's values. Oh, you're one of them, are you? Yes, I am. I'm a Christian. I believe what I believe. I believe what God says. His values are the only values I acknowledge. That's it. Is that plain? Hello? That's why we preach it. You don't have to worship things. You don't have to serve mammon. You could serve God. You don't have to live in sin. You can repent. 
The good news is, it's so easy. Jesus has done it all. That's what's wonderful about our gospel. Huh. Acts chapter 8. We're just going to flick through. I, I want to bring your attention to one or two things. Acts chapter 8. Verse 25. Look what the disciples did. They never called prayer meetings. They didn't call fasting meetings. They didn't say we're going to overcome and evangelize by fasting and prayer. What did they do? Acts 8, 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. All right, what did they do? Preach the gospel. My. Acts 14, verse 7. What did they do? There, what did they do? There they preached the gospel. Acts 14, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Acts 15, verse 7. And when there was, had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. See, what was Peter saying? It's the word of the gospel that changes things. You go on. Acts 16, verse 10. After he'd seen... The vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Acts 20, verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. It's the gospel again. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a, an apostle, separated unto what? The gospel of God. Verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. That word prayer there is lifting up a person with love in his heart, with thanksgiving to God. Romans 1.15 So as much as is in me, I am ready to do what? Preach the gospel to you, that are at Rome also. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 2 verse 16 In that day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, how? According to my gospel. 
Romans 10 verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that do what? Preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Romans 10 verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? Romans 11 verse 28. Romans 11. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. Romans 15, verse 16. That I should be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. He was ministering the gospel. Romans 15 verse 19. Through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Elycrium I have what? Fully preached the gospel of Christ. Romans 15 20. Yea, so have I Strive to do what? Preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. Romans 15, 29. I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness, what of? Of the blessing of, of the gospel of Christ. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power... To establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. It's according to my gospel. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to do what? Preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers... For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you, how? Through the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 12. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder what? gospel of Christ verse 14 1 Corinthians 9 14 even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel 
You notice it's all preaching the gospel. I'm amazed that it's not all prayer meetings. I'm amazed that it's not world prayer centers. I'm amazed that it's not how to spiritual warfare. Amazing. The early church was all about gospel. It was preaching the gospel. It was telling the gospel. That's what everyone in the church is responsible to do. It is not to give your testimony. Might be very valid, but that won't save anyone. What saves them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to do that, you better be a partaker of the gospel. You better make sure that the love of money isn't in you. You better make sure that a root of bitterness isn't in you. You better make sure that you don't serve two masters. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Wonderful, isn't it? Let's go on book this is such a good book you know the bible uh, where are we um, 1 Corinthians 9 uh, verse 16 for though I preach the gospel I have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Hey, it's the gospel. Verse 17. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Verse 18. What is my reward then? Verily that, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. 15 verse 1. Moreover, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Remember it? We looked at that one. Wonderful. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 2. Furthermore, when I came to Troas, what did I come to do? What did I come to do? To preach Christ's gospel. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Hey, people come to life when they hear the gospel. It's all to do with the good news. I, I, I'm amazed. People talk today, you know, they talk about church growth. They talk about how to win the lost. 
the one thing they ignore is the gospel. You don't hear the gospel. You hear all these ideas of what you can do instead of hearing the emphasis on what Christ has already done. It's you can pray, you can fast, you can do this, you can do that, you can go. Hey, he's done it all. He came. He took my sins and your sins into his own body on the tree. He died, was dead and buried. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended on high sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Mighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. Hey, the truth of the gospel is I stand in his place as a gospel preacher declaring unto you that which I've heard. <laughs> it's a good news. What good news? The gospel. That's all. That's all people need. They need someone to tell them. Then they can make a choice. Now the God of this world might blind their, their minds so they don't believe the gospel. And to be honest with you, that's really the problem. People reject Christ because the God of this world blinds their minds. Do you know how the God of this world does it? Why? He says to you, look, all these things will I give you. You just believe, you know, go my way. Well, any lifestyle's acceptable. You've got to understand, you've got to tolerate everything. No, you haven't. There's only one thing you tolerate, that is God's standards, God's ways, God's truth, and that is the only truth in the earth that's of any value. Every other truth is false. It's not true, it's a lie. There's only one Savior. There's no other name under heaven whereby a man can be saved but the name Jesus. It's a name that's above every name. There's no disease can stand against this name. There's no sin, no bondage, no devil, no demon can stand against this name. All power, all authority is given unto him. He's king of kings, lord of lords, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's my advocate. He's my high priest. He's my lord. He's my king. He lives. He's alive. What a gospel we have. And it brings total deliverance to all who will forsake themselves and forsake their sin and forsake their selfishness and turn to him. There is power to live different. But you keep in memory the gospel. You obey the gospel. You do what God says.
That's the only deal God gives to anyone. Wonderful, isn't it? Huh? I believe. I'm a believer. You know, if someone comes up against your will or what you want, my, you can't off get bitter quick, can't you? Out of your mouth spews forth all kinds of complaints, doesn't it? Hmm? Don't like to be put up, confronted, challenged, no. Inside yourself, what, no matter how you smile and what front you put on, you don't hide anything. There's a divine physician who will heal you. That's the good news. You are today what you are because that's what you want to be, but you don't have to remain that way. My Bible says repent, believe. Wonderful. What a gospel. Let's look at, you know, this book. You can't, you can't avoid the book, can you? In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13. Oh, let's, let's, 8. 8, verse 18. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches... 2 Corinthians 9 verse 13 whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men 2 Corinthians 10 verse 14 for we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not unto you for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.16 To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4 For if he that come preacheth another Jesus whom you have not preached, or you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted. Look, there's another Jesus, there's another spirit, and there's another gospel. That's worrying. I, I say to people, hey, you say you believe in Jesus. Have you got the right Jesus? Do you know there's another Jesus? You say you've got the spirit. Have you got the right spirit? There's another spirit. You say you're in the gospel. Have you got the right gospel? There's another gospel. If any man adds anything to what Christ did on Calvary's tree, it is another gospel. If anyone says that anything you do is of any merit, it is another gospel. If anyone suggests that you do anything to receive salvation, it is another gospel. 
It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not the true gospel. And there are many Jesuses preached. There's Jesuses preached where you can live any way you want. There's Jesuses preached where you can have what you want. There's Jesuses preached where you can lust after things. There's Jesuses preached where you can have your own way. It's another gospel. It's another Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, there's a condition. You deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow me. And if you don't, you cannot be my disciple. That is it. And if you're following a Jesus that lets you do what you want, it is another Jesus. You've got the wrong Jesus you're following. You're following a wrong spirit. You're believing another gospel. That's what Paul taught. I find there's churches up and down the land that preach another gospel, that believe in another Jesus, and receive another spirit. They want health and wealth, without responsibility, without consecration, without dedication, and without the cross. It is another gospel. If you get your own way instead of God's way, it's another gospel, another Jesus, another spirit. It's not God. Well, no one wants to preach that anymore. They want to tell you, oh, you know, just come doesn't matter. It does matter. Many will say unto me in that name, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did this in your name and that in your name. He'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't do the will of my Father. Makes it quite plain. It's not that they didn't do right. It's they didn't do his will. You can be going along, doing a Christian thing, and fulfilling your own desires, and you're on your way to hell. There's only one Jesus, only one truth, only one way. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Well, a wonderful thing. It's all in the book. I love it. Galatians chapter 1. I mean, you can go right through Paul's epistles, you know. I'm not going to go all the way through. We'll be here till tomorrow. But I just want to... As we said before in verse 9... And so say I now again that if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. If a man comes preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. And then he explains it. 2 2. He says this, And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them 
that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Galatians 2.5 To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue in you. We didn't give in to compromise. We didn't give in to Peter and James saying, you shouldn't eat with the Gentiles. We wouldn't give in the gospel. We didn't back down. Trouble is today, everyone wants to compromise, wants to make it acceptable, palatable. There's nothing more palatable than to know Jesus did it all. He's alive. He lives in me. Amen? Galatians 2, 7. But contrary-wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. What was committed to them? The gospel. 2.14 But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Galatians 3.8 For the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations shall be blessed. Galatians 4.13 You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at the first. Amen? What was Paul's main business? What? Preaching the gospel. And now he was a miracle worker. He was an apostle. And if I went through Ephesians, you'd find the same thing. I mean, let's just look at a couple in Ephesians, you know. Just, uh, I love it. Ephesians 1.13 In whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after you, were, you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It was the gospel of your salvation. The good news, he did it all for you. It's wonderful, isn't it? Do you notice, where, where's the prayer meetings? Where's the fastings? Where's the spiritual warfare? It's not there. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Amen? I'm just an old believer in the old gospel. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. But I want to tell you the only hope a man has is in what Jesus did and believing in it. The only way of deliverance and salvation is in the cross. The only way of life is in the Jesus of Calvary.
What a wonderful thing. Hmm? There's a load more scriptures. It excited me. I went through, I thought, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. My, the gospel. Listen to Kittle again. I'll read it out again. You know, so you can go home with this in your mind. Wherever I put it, ah, here it is. You know, if you get... The preaching of the gospel is the continuation of the saving activity of Jesus Christ. Do you know that's how Jesus saves people? By the gospel. Don't save them by you going and, and doing anything else. When people come into church, what they need is the gospel. <laughs> they don't need religion. They don't need to be psychoanalyzed. They don't need someone to start talking about, you know, Rumpelstiltskin, whoever he was. They don't need rubbish, do they? They need a gospel. Simple. That's all they need. The preaching of the gospel is the continuation of the saving activity of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the proclaimers of the gospel are the continuators of Christ's ministry. Those who preach the gospel stand in the place of Jesus, and they are as he is. The risen Lord associates himself with them, and conveys to them his power. In this power of Jesus Christ, they stand in his place, his own powerful presence in the Holy Spirit. He endows his followers with the same power, and they continue his activities in his place, proclaiming his message and working his miracles. I love it. I love it. That, that, that's how miracles come. I don't know about you, but as for me, Jesus is everything. This Jesus. It's good news, isn't it? If you want to be healed today, you've got to need a miracle. You need to start believing what Jesus said. You need to start believing. 2,000 years ago, he took your diseases, your sicknesses, your bondages into his own body on the tree. He's risen. <laughs> he ascended to the Father. It's true. There's a way of salvation. You can come out of all your bondage. You can give up. Now look, if you don't let go of the root of bitterness and if you're not prepared to turn and amend your lifestyle and live the way Jesus intends you to live, you are not going to get anything. You can believe all the right things and you will come up empty. It's not magic. It's lifestyle. You see, you have to obey the gospel. Got to live it. The only reason you have bondage in your life, the only reason you have ignorance and darkness in your life is you refuse to obey God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe him this morning, it's as though I'd never sinned. 
Is that clear? This morning you can make a lifelong decision to turn from the love of money to the love of God. You won't serve both. Don't ever destroy your children by getting them to run after money. You come from hell. And you'll send your own children there. Love of money is... Don't ever let it be named among you. Rude of bitterness springing up defiles many. Those are two scriptures you don't ever want to forget. Those two roots are in the Bible. I find those are the two things that destroy more lives who'd go Christ's way and get trapped. Life isn't in the abundance of the things you have. Life's in Christ. You've got a choice. Everyone has a choice. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hey, he's everything. You know, no bondage has any power over you when you believe Jesus. No disease has any power. His name's above every name. Healing flows from him. Deliverance flows from him. Say, what do I do? Nothing. He's done it all. Just believe him. Say, well, do I have to? Nothing. Well, what about? Nothing. You can't add to what he's done. You really can't. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for each one here. Lord, I thank you that with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Lord Jesus, your word is true. Your word is true. Lord, you don't intend anyone to come short. This gospel is the power we need, the only power we need to live the way you intend. Lord, I just pray in your mercy and your grace you'll etch these words into every heart. Thank you, Lord, you died for us. You took our sin into your own body on the tree. Thank you, Lord, that when you died, our sin died. We were buried with you. 
and we rose again when you rose. Lord, you're our great high priest. You're our advocate. You're everything to us. We believe the gospel. Thank you, Lord, you've set us free. Thank you, Lord, you've healed us, you've delivered us. Thank you, Lord, your power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs>